What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Well, well, the calendar has flipped to October, and here we are with another edition of the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. Great to be back with Dr. John Lewis, uh, who is the purveyor, the owner, the operator. You read him all the time on Sports Media Watch, uh, the website, SportsMediaWatch.com. You get to hear him on the podcast. I'm merely TJ Reeves. Uh, yes, I am fully recovered from the Kansas City Chiefs whipping up on my Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday night football. I can confirm for the audience that on the over under of how many television trucks that NBC currently uses in a game broadcast in and around the stadium, outside the stadium, I set the over under at nine and it was well over that. My Lord, did they have a lot of production people and trucks with all of the different stuff they do to broadcast Sunday night football that you see in your home. And the Chiefs, uh, uh, I thought the Chiefs were going to get nine touchdowns before it was over to match the trucks that NBC has. Anyway, enough of me. Hello, John Lewis. Good to be back with you for another week. Yeah, good to be here. Uh, Looking forward to uh, one of the busiest months of the year. Baseball with the postseason, the NBA about to be back. We've got all kinds of subjects to cover. Let's stick with the football. We'll get to the NFL uh, in a few moments. By the way, I need to make mention, however you found us and wherever you found us, social media link, John's site, sportsmediawatch.com. Thank you for doing so. We come out usually midweek with the Sports Media Watch dot com podcast here john does a fantastic job of keeping you up to date on when we're out etc but you don't have to worry about that if you're following or if you're subscribing on apple Podcasts, spotify google Podcasts, podcast attic wherever you get podcasts uh, you will get the automatic notification the alert that we're out midweek also the tell me a story i don't know podcast series with george offman kind of has a chicago slant he's often interviewing chicago sports media personalities but he broadens it out i mean he's had the likes of bob costas uh, michael wilbon uh kevin harlan and many others that somehow connect back to chicago anyway with the nba season john getting underway will purdue former chicago bull uh, world champion with michael jordan as a center in the 90s has now been in the media in and around bulls uh, broadcast as well as in the NBA on ESPN radio broadcast. Will Purdue is the guest extended conversation all about him. Can I share something with you just yeah, real quick absolutely. while we plug this? Will Purdue 
who's from Florida. I still remember this. I'm a teenager back in the late 1980s um, in and around the time that Will Purdue was in college at Vanderbilt. And they began to remark, this is pre-Shaquille O'Neal, how big his feet were. Hmm. So on, I cannot remember if this was the front page of the Tampa Tribune, which is now defunct, or the St. Petersburg Times, they put a shoe imprint on the newspaper, the folded out newspaper, because I believe Will Perdue had like a size 18 shoe. I still vividly remember a teenage TJ with big feet, because I wear size 13, by the way, my feet were not yet, I think, that big. I put my foot on that newspaper trying to compare myself to Will Purdue's shoe size. <laughs> and George makes mention of Will Purdue's shoe size, him having success at Vanderbilt, and he obviously blossomed into an NBA career that lasted for a while and won some titles. Yeah. Hear those kind of stories around the Michael Jordan 90s Bulls with George Offman's Tell Me a Story I Don't Know podcast that's on this very podcast feed. And our guys, Mike and Phil, with the Announcer Schedules podcast, do a great job. Recently have uh, been talking about all the announcers in the booth. Did you, John Lewis, and I'm sure it will be part of their podcast this week, did you hear my man Dave Sims on the television call of the Seattle Mariners with the walk-off home run in the clinching game for them to make the postseason, the Mariners for the first time in 22 years are in the postseason. They hit a walk-off bottom of the ninth home run. Dave Sims on that call. I'm sure that Mike and Phil will be all over it on the announcer schedules podcast. Can I just publicly say I have great affection for Dave Sims personally and professionally. He is a fantastic guy. He's been a mentor to me and a lot of others done a lot of work in major markets in New York, et cetera, nationally to watch him on that social media video because they were rolling one of those cameras, John, when the home run was hit and the genuine emotion out of Dave with the call. And he gave his signature. Hey, now, hey, now, hey, now for the get for the walk off home run. Good on him. Good on Sims. Good on the Mariners. And I'll just plug. I I guarantee you that's going to be with Mike and Phil. Uh, on announcer schedules because they do a great job of breaking down all the announcers. That's also on this podcast for you. But how about that? Yeah. Mariners had been the John, the Mariners have been the longest running team yeah. postseason drought in any sport because the Cleveland Browns had made it. Who am I leaving out? Somebody in the NBA that hadn't made Sacramento it. For, Kings. Sacramento Kings have been in since the Mariners. The Mariners are in upcoming in October for baseball. So there you go. Rick, Rick Riz has been their radio guy forever for like 35 plus years. Good on him that he's back in the postseason. They get to work a postseason wildcard series coming up. So there you go. Little plugs about the announcers and some different stuff. All right. So let's begin. Shall we begin with college football and let's begin on kind of a a serious front. It's going to be two different announcers. We talk about Lee Corso was not on the college game day show this weekend prior to Clemson MC state uh, that, that ACC showdown that was going to be the national game on ESPN. So that alarmed some people that he was not there. John, pick up the story here because he's one of the figures on that show. Well, this is an 87 year old man. He's been battling his way back from his stroke for over a decade you know, uh, it's not surprising that, you know, if, yeah, look, I mean, he didn't feel too well. Uh, you know, I was on the uh, conference call ESPN ABC did earlier today uh, for the NBA. Hubie Brown is coming back for another year, one year contract. Mm. Uh, you know, Hubie is, um, let's see how old Hubie Brown is. Hubie Brown is a, uh, I would 80, guess 89. Gosh, I would have guessed like 87, like the same um, as Lee Corso. That's incredible. 
Yeah. Well, you know how it is. You get to the final year of a decade in your life, you know, so next year he'll be still saying he's 89 because he doesn't want to do it. He's 90, right? It's like the 29 and 30. But look, the reality is, I mean, it's an incredible thing. He'd be so lucky to have his help. Dr. Jack Ramsey had his health right mm-hmm. up until he didn't. Right. Right. And so, you know, this is a touch and go time in people's lives, 89 years old. Uh, it's a, I mean, it's touch and go once you hit 70. You know, I, I was, uh, there's this great actress who, if you follow comedy, you love this actress. Her name is Edie McClurg, right? Yes. You know? yeah. Who doesn't love Edie McClurg? I grew up on a Rocket Power on Nickelodeon. She played mm-hmm. the the neighbor on Rocket Power. And so I've, I've liked Edie McClurg ever since then. She did a great Golden Girls. I'm just, you know, going through my Wikipedia travels yesterday and I stopped by Edie McClurg because, you know, for an update, she's 77 years old, but she's suffering from dementia and she's been dealing with some horrendous elder abuse, right? Wow. It's a terrible thing to read about, you know? And the fact of the matter is, if you can get to where Lee is, 87, and you're living independently and you're still able to do your job and, you know, I mean okay, he's going to be sick every now and again. But I think it's a good story that Lee is still able to do what he's doing. Because you, you can be a decade younger and, and Edie McClure is a full decade younger and she doesn't have her independence. That's a great point. All that stuff. It's very sad. And Edie McClure is obviously famous from my generation for having been the secretary at the high school for Ferris yeah. Bueller's Day Off. That's who we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, and uh, also, even before that, John, one of my favorite sitcoms, WKRP in Cincinnati, she was the wife of the salesman that always wore the white belt and the white shoes, Herb, Herb Tarlick. She was his wife on that. And uh, uh, yes, yeah, so it's very sad. What you're yeah. talking about is very sad. But you make a great point to still be doing this yeah. at 87 is amazing. And Chris Fowler, by the way, released a social media video later in the day saying, hey, I've spoken with him. Please give him some privacy. He's turned his phone off. He is feeling fine. We hope to have him back soon. You know, it just begs one other thing. I'm not trying to push him out the door, but goodness right. gracious, it's not the same anymore. It's yeah. painful at times to watch. You mentioned on this show last week that Kirk Herbstreit may not be long for this role in that he's doing, and this is us speculating, in that he's doing a Thursday night NFL game now regularly and then parachuting into wherever game day is to do the pregame and then maybe at times having to get out and go across the country to go call a game with Chris Fowler. Might it be that soon and sooner rather than later, they are just going to adjust that cast on that show and maybe Lee Corso still has Mm – like a little bit of a role or something, or maybe not. And Herb Street, maybe a little bit of a role, but maybe not. Uh, I mean, Pat McAfee is clearly being yeah. brought in and groomed to have a longer term run there. What is your thought on all of that? Pat McAfee is clearly the heir apparent, but right. He's not Lee Corso. It's not going to be the same as when Lee Corso has been there. Ultimately, what they did on Saturday, Lee wasn't there, which I think was a first. I haven't done the research, didn't ask anybody at ESPN, but I don't imagine there's been an episode of Game Day where Lee Corso wasn't there before this one. So, you know, it's the first time you don't have his uh, headgear pick. So mm-hmm. they don't do the headgear pick because, you know, that would look bad with Lee being sick. Uh, Pat doesn't get the final pick either. Uh, they gave the final pick to the guest picker. And, you know, I mean, look, Pat. Uh, I, I, I suppose I'm not supposed to like Pat McAfee, apparently, I guess, because he was with Barstool. But I don't I, I mean, I, I personally 
You know, I don't hey, know he's, anything. He's clearly built a brand with his right. daily show, his video simulcast yeah. podcast. It's got a massive following. He's now parlayed that into being on network TV with right. WWE wrestling with the Friday right. night SmackDown as an announcer. Right. And now he's dipped back to ESPN. He was with the game day show a couple of seasons ago. Right. And now they brought him back. So keep going. Yeah, I mean, I was just saying, I did see that Timothy Burke, uh, you know, kind of was a little critical of him and his show. And it's like, you know, look, I, I, I'm not going to pretend I follow anything to that level of, you know, depth with Pat McAfee. But I, I think that he seems like the heir apparent. He brings a lot of energy. He's not Lee Corso. He'll never be Lee Corso because ultimately Lee built something organically. You can't build anything organically anymore, right? You know, even like think someone like Charles Barkley, when Charles came in, you ever watched inside the NBA from Charles' first couple of years? That's totally different. It's so fresh. It's like guileless. Like inside is still a great show, but it's calculated, right? For engagement and Twitter, whatever. And Shaq being there too. There's very little authenticity there compared to when Charles was first there. Everything was so fresh and new. That, that, that stuff doesn't exist anymore. You can't create something fresh and new anymore in this era. So Pat's not going to be like Lee Corso. It's not going to be organic. It's not going to be, um, you know, it's it's going to be kind of focus grouped, but whatever. That's just the way it is. Uh, I think even with that, he's a great fit. What about the argument that he's maybe more relatable to the younger generation, pro well, wrestling, yeah. et cetera, willing to do physical comedy at times and silly yeah. things? Didn't he, he jumped off of like, some high elevated thing into a pond uh, as part of college game day at a, at yeah. a, at a big uh, gathering thing that they were doing. You can't imagine that the other ones would do that, that the other panelists wow. would do something like that. They're going to let him uh, do those right. kind of things. I was just thinking this when you were saying it, I mean, the standard of the pregame halftime show for the NFL was the NFL today that yeah. had Brent Musburger. It had Irv Cross. It had Jimmy the Greek with gambling, which yeah. was like taboo. It had Phyllis George and Jane <laughs> Kennedy, who were kind of the beauty queen that still yeah. that still knew sports and could do interviews. And so every other NFL or football pregame show began to try to be modeled yeah. off of that, some kind of chemistry. And to your point, they've even written a book about the NFL today. You're looking yeah. live is yeah. the book. It, it, there's not going to be another one. It's no. the original to your point, right? Yeah. I mean, TV is derivative, right? And every now and again, you get something really special that is really different and interesting. And then everybody copies it and it stops being special, different and interesting, right? Nobody could even imagine who's under the age of you know 20 that The Simpsons was ever cutting edge. Right. But it was. It was a time when The Simpsons was a cutting edge show, like nothing we'd ever seen before. And it was amazing and pushing the envelope. And the president was, you know, complaining about it. And now it's like the most irrelevant, stale piece of bread imaginable yes. that ruffles nobody's feathers and gets a, you know, 0.02 rating in the demo each week. So, you know, that's just the way it is. You know, uh, authenticity, you, you know, it's, it's especially now, especially now. Uh, is something that's really hard. And so I'm not saying Pat McAfee isn't authentic, but will he be as authentic as Lee Corso was, right? When they put Lee Corso on there, they weren't thinking, we're going to go viral. We're going to do this. He's going to do that. That, you know, every single decision that's made in sports TV now is made with that as its thought process, every single one. And so you can't have anything that's authentic. You can't have anything that grows organically. It's always just going to be, you know, what's going to trend. It is what it is. 
So along those same lines, and we're going to go back and forth between college and the NFL and big games and ratings, but Terry Bradshaw yeah. came on the NFL on Fox, another cutting edge show when it began 30 years ago, virtually 1994 season with Terry Bradshaw as the mainstay. They had hired him away yeah. from CBS to be in the studio with James Brown and with Jimmy Johnson and with Howie Long. They paired all those guys together. So Bradshaw has been there now. What? This is his 29th season right in 2022 yeah. my gosh am i that old so mm -hmm. terry bradshaw talked openly about health struggles for him you wrote about it for the site say something about that while we're on kind of the same subject so terry bradshaw the moment i saw him in week one it was obvious he was not in good health right uh, he was he had gained a, a substantial amount of weight and so a lot of concern and i'm not going to sit down and pretend i wasn't you know going hmm, i wonder what's wrong with terry bradshaw you know, I don't know what kind of, I mean, this is the world we've always lived in, right? Uh, there's been any number of occasions where someone is sick and people notice and the person doesn't want to say anything, but because people notice they have to say something. And that's even before Twitter, right? That happened to Walter Payton, right? Yes. Remember the, the reporter saying, hey, I feel like I could take Walter Payton because he didn't know he was sick, but he lost a lot of weight. All those idiots, you know, and Twitter, man, it's impossible to convey the level of idiocy that Twitter has brought into our lives over the course of these past 12 or so years. But when Chadwick Boseman was sick, mm -hmm. and nobody knew Chadwick Boseman was sick, but it was, oh my God, Chadwick Boseman, wow. You know, and look, I get why people are surprised to see the way people look. I'm not gonna sit on my, you know, throne from Mount Olympus, you know, like I'm Kareem Abdul Jabbar and judge everybody else as, you know, <laughs> as less than me. I've done this before in the privacy of my own home where I see someone looks different. I'm like, oh my goodness, it's jarring. I get it. But it would be a good thing if even if we grant ourselves the imperfection of making that observation in our homes. Maybe we don't talk about it on social media and make it into a trend. Right. Because ultimately, look, the reality of the matter is people get sick, people gain weight, people lose weight, people have all sorts of stuff going on, especially once you hit a certain age and the body immediately says, oh, wait, you're this age now? I'm going to start failing in every conceivable way, right? This is what happens. And especially as people stay in this industry for, you know, when Keith Jackson was signing off, he was younger then than Al Michaels is now, I believe, right? Well, right you know, at it. We, we keep getting to a point people stay in this industry for longer and longer and longer. You just mentioned earlier in a podcast, Hubie Brown is going to be on a regular yeah. NBA broadcast, and he's 88 or 89, 89 years old. Yeah, just turned 89. He's going to have about 15 games this year, about the same as J.J. Redick, I think. I think Redick might be at mm -hmm. 25. It's incredible. You know, and, and good for Hubie. And, you know, look, it's uh, it's kind of a crapshoot when you get to that age because there's a lot of people who are really sharp. You know, Dick Van Dyke probably has more energy than I do right now, right? I mean, realistically. But you can also get to a point where you're at that age or even a decade younger and your body isn't working anymore. You lose your sight. You lose all sorts of things. And in his case, in his case, they kind of tailor that show around his quick wit about him being sharp, about him doing the halftime highlights where he's got to be quick. Yeah. And what yeah. you're saying, I saw too, which is it was obvious he is laboring through this. Yes. And it's very public. We all see yeah. it and we're all automatically going, what's wrong? We're yeah. all curious. So at least he acknowledged that he's battled two different forms of cancer uh, and uh, and has said recently here that he is basically in remission, cancer free, yeah. correct? And he didn't he didn't want to tell anybody. And that's his right. 
you know, and he wouldn't have had to tell anybody. But then again, the other side of it is if you're going to be in a public facing job and you're going to be clearly in poor health, you have to expect people are going to want to know. Yes. So there is that other aspect of it. Uh, you know, I don't know. It's just a, it's a complicated issue. I hope he'll be all right. The reality is, though, that, you know, um, the longer we do, real life happens. Mike Green's entire house burned down. That's a life-changing event. Mm. I don't care how much money you get from ESPN. You can't replace the memories and all the all the personal effects. You know, life happens to people. Uh, you know, you, you show up on the TV and, oh, wow, I'm, I'm doing great because, you know, I'm here to call the game. We don't know what's going on with people behind the scenes. And, you know, it's also it's understandable that we will take notice when something is clearly wrong. But it's also none of our business, too. I mean, it really isn't. Right. I don't know. It's it's complicated. It's a fine line. It's a fine line, especially if you're going to continue to work in the public eye on something as big as what the NFL is and as gregarious. I'll use that word as Terry Bradshaw has been. When it's not the same. And again, he's getting close to 80 years of age. Is he his, really? His, yes. His Steeler heyday. Look him up while I'm talking. His Steeler heyday was in the 1970s. You're talking yeah. about he hasn't played pro football in almost 40 years. So Well, he's 74. So 74. that's okay. what, what so freshman I gave it, congressman? I gave, it, I gave it too much. Yes, exactly. I gave it uh, a few years too many yeah. to be closer to 80. But still, yeah. he hasn't played in the NFL, am I correct, since about 1984-85. We're going on 40 yeah. years ago that that was the case. So You know what else was 40 years ago? Yeah. Now, the facts of life was 40 years ago. I know. I know. Don't start with me. <laughs> we're going to get to this later in the podcast with theme music that you're going to play. Don't start yeah. with me because all we're going to do is talk about the 80s. Mm-hmm. I mean, like on the Manning cast for the NFL game, just a quick aside, you had Peyton and Eli with John yeah. Hamm on – for the end of the San Francisco Rams uh, game in the fourth quarter on Monday night on the Manning cast on ESPN two. And Eli brings up what a big fan of the original Fletch, the movie that Peyton Mm -hmm. was. And so much so that they had to constantly go rent it from blockbuster video. Hello back in the day. And I was the same way. I had to own it on VHS and rent it. And so John Hamm is now playing the new incarnation of the Fletch character from the books and the movie is in the theaters. Anyway, that hit so home for me watching that because it's the 80s. So do not start with me, John Lewis, on this podcast about facts of life or about the Cosby show or about Friday night, Friday night videos, fast times at Ridgemont High, Caddyshack. Mm -hmm. Airplane, uh, Madonna, Madonna music, Michael Jackson music on cassette, because all of that is my 1980s is what I'm bringing up. And by the well, way, Hubie Brown was doing games on the NBA on CBS in the 80s. And Terry Bradshaw started doing the NFL on CBS game broadcast with Vern Lundquist in the 1980s while we're at it. Time flies. Incredible. It, it, uh, you know, look, uh, in less than a decade, it'll be, I mean, I'm, it's a little bit of a cheat here, but in less than a decade, it'll be 40 years since Michael Jordan's first NBA title. So I'm looking forward to, to that. That itself is a long way away. Well, That's nine years from now, but in nine years, get ready for, well, it's already 30. It's already yeah. 30 since his first well, NBA title. 30 which years, is 30 still, years isn't that bad. That's not 40 yesterday. Years. That's not so, yesterday. Well, the difference between 30 years and 40 years is the difference between being 30 and being 40. And there is a distinct <laughs> difference between being 30 and being 40. I was told there would be no math. I was told 50 is the new 40. Maybe that's because I'm over 50. And you're yeah. not. 
Uh, okay, let's uh, bring this back to a couple of other things. Let's talk ratings. I mentioned that Clemson-NC State game, which was the national game, exciting game, eventually won by Clemson, who remains undefeated, one of the brands in the South in college football. How did it register nationally? Because, again, I don't know the answer, but I, I always uh, shudder that in the Northeast and the Upper Midwest yeah. and the West, do they care about Clemson, not Alabama, yeah. not Ohio State? What about it? Well, it was the number two game of the week. Alabama, Arkansas was a million viewers better. So it was a fairly distant second, but 4.7 million viewers, you know, hey, ESPN and ABC better get used to it because they're only going to have the ACC and Big 12 and those Saturday night windows next year. They're not going to get the, the SEC. That's a year off. And they're not going to get uh, the Big 10 because they lose it. So it'll be a lot of Clemson and a lot of FSU, uh, FSU losing at home to Wake Forest. Ooh. What a tradition, right? At least it wasn't 30 to nothing in the rain this time. But, <laughs> you know, look, uh, I mean, they're, they're going to be, it's going to be a lot of, uh, a lot of ACC. And we should mention the Alabama Arkansas game was the earlier game at 3 30 yeah. Eastern time on CBS, and they did a million more, is what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And that was largely a blowout for a lot of that game, not a close game. Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at so yes. that segues into this Saturday, and actually, John, I will be with Tiki Barber on the national radio call on Compass Media Networks of Alabama A&M. There will probably be a few more people tuning in on CBS for Brad Nessler, yeah. Gary Danielson, and the CBS crew um, that's doing that broadcast. What What is your ratings projection and thought? I know Texas A&M lost yeah. last weekend. That took some of the luster off. They lost for a second time this season. They lost to Mississippi State. So it's not like both of them are in the top 10, but you definitely have some angst with Jimbo Fisher, the A&M coach, Nick Saban, the Alabama coach. That'll be played up as the week goes on. Do you have a ratings prediction on how that might do in CBS primetime? Well, it probably it depends on the quality of the game. Because, you know, all the hype from the past season, the offseason was, oh, my goodness. Wow. I can't believe Jimbo said all that stuff. Wow. And then Texas A&M loses two games. You know, I mean, look, so it, they're going to have to pull off another upset. Um, I think if you're CBS, maybe a different game might have made more sense for that prime time slot. But guess what? They have one more year of this rights deal. Maybe they'll go with a different game in that and that prime time window next year. Um, but, you know, look, I, I think. Um, you know, it'll be, it all depends on the quality of the game. I mean, with college football, if, if it's not number one versus number two or something in that range of a top five, top 10 matchup, it all depends on whether or not it's a good game. Give me a reference point. I worked the game a year ago. I've been privileged to do this. I worked the Compass Media Networks game a year ago, Alabama LSU, which I believe was an early November game. Yep. Tiki and I did that game. Again, LSU was a massive underdog. The game, though, a close game, to your point. How did that one do in primetime if you have it in front of you? Well, last year's primetime game on CBS was the Alabama-Texas A&M upset. Okay. So that, that, that's a comparable game. So I can try to look for so that. So the, CB, the CBS uh, one in that case would have been 330, LSU and right. Alabama, the comparable one in November. So the only primetime was the A&M last-second field goal, and it did exactly. what? It did what? 
an Let's audience. Let's see if I can find it. Uh, so that was an audience back in October of 2021 of 8.3 million viewers, pending, of course, revision due to Nielsen's, you know, widespread uh, screw ups over the past mm-hmm. year. So maybe 8.6, 8.7 million viewers in reality. And so maybe they can get that this go around. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see if it is the case. Again, Alabama's number one, the star quarterback, the Heisman Trophy winner, Bryce Young at midweek, injured shoulder. He's pretty talented who, in those commercials. Who, yes. Who knows if he can play or not? Right. That might affect things. We'll yeah. see. But Alabama's still a brand. They are Alabama on the uh, on the college front. Over to and, the – yeah, you got one more point? Go well, yeah, I was going to say it's a very interesting weekend. ESPN has no games in the afternoon. They have the noon game and then an 11 o'clock game because they've got baseball. So uh, that's going to be interesting. And ABC is sending Fowler and uh, Herb Street to the 4 o'clock game, Ohio State-Michigan State. That 4 o'clock start is different. E- ABC's games are usually noon, 3.30, and 7.00. No doubt in my mind that four o'clock start is meant to maybe kind of screw things up a little bit for CBS with that eight o'clock window. Go a little bit later so that the finish of Ohio State, Michigan State bleeds a little bit closer into that eight o'clock window. And maybe if it's a good game, you can keep more of those viewers for the Clemson Boston College nightcap and keep them from going over to CBS for AM Alabama. I mean, granted, it's not going to be too effective, but I did notice that four o'clock start for ABC is a little different. Yeah, it uh, is. And- Oh, go ahead. And it is interesting, pardon me, that uh, they are doing a bunch of of baseball in that regard. And the Ohio State-Michigan State game, boy, talk about the luster being off that one. Michigan State's lost three games in a row, Mm. beaten again last week by Maryland. It is a home game for them. Ohio State is the draw. I just wonder, is that going to be a blowout game again? Remember, this is a Michigan State team that got beat 39-0 by Minnesota a couple of weeks ago. Really? Wow. So it I'm could not... be a route. It could be a route for Ohio State, maybe. And they had that in primetime two weeks ago with Wisconsin, where they were routing them in the national right. primetime window that Fowler and Herb Street were doing on ABC in Columbus. So one thing that'll help, I mean, you know, there's no ESPN games. So maybe more of those viewers who might watch an ESPN game, there's no game there that frees up a little bit more audience for that midday window. And, uh, you know, who knows? CBS has Auburn, Georgia in that slot, which probably will do better because it's, you know, the SEC. But, uh, you know, I think it'll be an interesting weekend uh, and uh, definitely will be very intrigued to see if ESPN takes a major hit for having playoff baseball instead of college football. Very good point on that. We love John Lewis's insight, the ratings influence. I'm going to keep teeing you up here with more from the NFL. So we had a couple of interesting things. You wrote about this, uh, the Thursday night package, from Amazon Prime that had Cincinnati and Miami continues to do well yeah. in perspective. I want you to share about that. We also had a London game, an international game, a 9:30 Eastern time, 6:30 in the morning Pacific time, London game, 2:30 London time, by the way, five hours ahead with Saints Vikings. So start with Thursday and then work to the international game on how yeah. they did and in comparison, et cetera, whatever you want to say, John. Well, the Thursday games continue to do fairly well. You know, we should probably talk about the Tua situation. Mm-hmm. Dan Patrick mentioned this on Friday's uh, Dan Patrick show, the fact that the NFL is uh, pretty lucky they've got all these games. So the Tua injury seems about as recent as when Ricky Williams was leaving the Dolphins because of marijuana, right? I mean, in terms of that's a long time ago. <laughs> and the reality of the matter is that's why the NFL is the NFL, because you have a moment that dark and 
you know, there was a lot of hyperventilation, understandable, some of it, although I would say Chris Nowinski tweeting about how he was going to advocate for murder charges to be brought was uh, pretty over ridiculous. the top. Yeah. Ridiculous. And in, 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 well, let me say let me know. say this. He was at the forefront before the game that Tua right. should not That's be true. playing. He is at the forefront with CTE research and brain research because of his own situation with concussions, et cetera. He is the foremost person on concussions yep. and football, bar none. And in advance, he was saying this guy should not be playing in the game. He had a concussion right. last week. And then there it was. Horrific foreshadowing come yeah. true for what you're and talking about last Thursday. I, I So I absolutely. I, I do think he definitely was premature and a little bit too emotional in saying that particular mm -hmm. aspect. But I do think, you know, the NFL played with fire because I had never heard of second impact syndrome. And apparently this is something where if you have one concussion and then you get another one, it can be really damaging. Yes. I watched a, a feature about this player from Preston Harvades, maybe something like that. Let me see. Okay. If I can get, uh, but Preston. had the double concussion that you're talking about. Yeah. Um, and in my case, I can just interject while you're talking about this. We sure. have family friends of ours that are 30 year old, 30 year family friends of ours and their daughter, a college field hockey player, again, at a small school, not the same as the NFL with the doctors and the technology. She got what they believe was a concussion, but she's such a competitor, a type A go getter, aggressive, got to be there for my team. She wanted to play again in the next game and then got another one. Yeah. It is heartbreaking, heartbreaking to talk about that for 20 years, she's still living with the effects mm -hmm. of the double concussion that you just referenced. Yeah. This is not a joke. This is yeah. not something to joke around about. And it, it really does happen. It doesn't happen all the time, but it can happen. And this was four days after Tua had had one in the game yeah. with the Bills that he got another one. Did you find the other name or go ahead? Yeah, Preston Ple uh, Plevrades. And he was a player, uh, you know, who, that happened to him. His whole life has changed. And, you know, I mean, so it's very important, um, you know, to, to talk about these things. Amazon's coverage, uh, you know, I've talked about this, the athletic already. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously they didn't do a great job. Uh, I think Kaylee Hartung was solid. I talked before, you know, it's not like she was out there reporting in Iraq or anything. Okay. She's not like, uh, you know, some kind of foreign correspondent putting her life on the line or anything to, to that extent, but she does have a background in actual news. I think that served her well. Uh, and um, she did a solid job. I thought Al and Kirk, you know, they had to get back to the game. And so they seemed a little callous, but that's their job. They got to go back to the game, but they did come off a little bit callously. That's really not anything they can do anything about. Uh, the halftime, I did not like the halftime. Uh, I, I found that. So sometimes. Is like for muted is muted. The right, right word tempered down. Well, it was muted, but it also just came off like, okay, someone is hurt. And we're worried about them. So I need to affect this particular tone. And I, I don't know, something about that just seemed a little bit too, like in broadcast news, when the reporter, uh, they show, you remember the movie broadcast news? Yes, I do. William so, Hurt. Uh, yes, Holly Yeah, Hunter. exactly. William Hurt with the fake tears. Correct. I'm not saying anything was fake, but that's what it felt like to me. Well, uh, compare it because I didn't see the halftime show. I only mm -hmm. heard about it on Amazon Prime, but the post game show that had Richard Sherman, that right. had Ryan Fitzpatrick and a couple of others may have been there. I saw a part of that and they let loose much more that's after true. the game, almost like somebody got to them and said, hey, uh, yeah, you well, need to really express 
like what your when, true uh, feelings are. Like when David Stern got to John Saunders after the Pacers Pistons brawl, right? But what I what I'm referring to, I want to be clear that when I refer to the emotion at halftime, I'm talking more about Carissa Thompson than about Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, I just felt I'm not trying to rip on Carissa. I just felt there was it felt a little bit like, you know, a little practiced to me. You know, it felt a little inauthentic that the post game, I think uh, they yeah, obviously they were reading the reviews. That's why they mentioned it on the year in the fourth quarter. Uh, it was, they were more aggressive in the post game. Um, you know, uh, it is what it is. Uh, Michael Smith was brought there. Michael Smith's primary role. I imagine as a journalist is to be the guy who comes in and pours cold water on all the fun when bad things happen, right? That's the role of a journalist. That's why you've got, you know, Jimmy, Jimmy Roberts on, you know, uh, golf or whatever, mm-hmm. right? You bring in the person who, whose job it is to be the realist and talk about the real issues. And so Michael Smith, you know, played that role quite well. Uh, and, you know, all, uh, all being said, look, two was fine. And so people will forget that this ever happened. We hope. We well, don't know yeah, for sure. Right. We you're hope. Right. We hope that right. he will be fine from this in the coming days. Yeah. Uh, he's that's, not that's playing for this point. week, apparently. We hope. But it was scary stuff to watch. Um, and the I NFL's mean, got to really deal with this yeah. once again, front and center on concussions, because there it was in a standalone national TV game. That's your whole point. Yeah. But, I mean, when I say two was fine, more than anything, I mean – they did not have a player die or become paralyzed during a game. That's correct. And so there were a lot of people going, how could you possibly say just a concussion? Oh, my goodness. Well, that's because the real third rail for the NFL is not even the circumstance where a player has life-changing you know, rep- repercussions from a concussion, where the rest of their life is spent in a diminished, in a diminished way. The real third rail for the NFL and the thing that's going to be so devastating that maybe even the NFL won't fully be able to recover is if a player dies on the field mm-hmm. or a player, you know, is paralyzed, which we have not seen for a long time, nearly saw that with Ryan Shazier. So when when they talk about, oh, it's just a concussion, I imagine in comparison to those other possibilities. And the fact is, there's nothing stopping something like that from happening. We just saw it with Seven Banks on LSU mm-hmm. and the uh, opening kickoff. You know, this is a powder keg of a sport. You know, it's just a matter of uh, good fortune that, I mean, again, I'm not trying to downplay concussions, but we know what the real third rail here is. And it is, there's nothing stopping an event occurring in an NFL game where someone dies. Okay. And it's, again, it's a constant reminder. I'm there every week, John, at the NFL level, on field level, on a radio broadcast, watching these 300-pound, 250-pound collisions back and forth against each other. And it amazes you that people get up from them. Yeah. Uh, I'm talking about for the last 18 years that I've done it, it amazes you they, they can get up from some of these collisions and these hits and what happens. So you, you almost become desensitized a little bit into how violent they are when you're around it at field level and watching it, coaches, players, everybody you consider it part of the game. And the average person sits back and goes, it's amazing that there aren't more serious injuries yeah. or life-threatening injuries when that happens. Just real quick, wrap it up. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to note a little bit of historical perspective would have been great because they, you know, when they were flying back to the very next night or the very same night, I would have liked somebody out there to mention Maurice Stokes, the NBA player from the 1950s, got a concussion 
and flying made it a lot worse. He ended up suffering some pretty bad effects and died at a young age. Jack Twyman uh, get, is named the, the teammate of the year award is named after Jack Twyman because of how Jack took care of Maurice Stokes for the rest of his life. Uh, every sport is extremely dangerous. There is nothing stopping an event from occurring where we saw that with Tyler Zombro, the pitcher for the Rays in Durham, the yes. Durham Bulls, I think. There's hit nothing by stopping. a line drive, hit exactly. by a line drive baseball, yes. Line drive in baseball. We saw Jalen Brown falling so horribly on his neck in that game against the, the T-Wolves a few years ago in the NBA. In gymnastics, there's nothing stopping you from landing on your head. Forget your legs breaking. There's any number of incredible dangers that can happen in every single sport. And of course, I don't even need to say the name of the goalie for the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, I can't remember his name, Clint Malarchuk. Now I remember his name. Uh, you know, we know that anything can happen, but the difference with football is that anything can happen on every single play, not just a freak accident. And so, you know, you're just kind of, you got to hold your breath because I think realistically, if we're all around another, you know, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, it's amazing it hasn't happened yet. And uh, I think we'll be pretty fortunate if it doesn't happen at all. Not hoping for that, but just facing reality on yes. that with serious injury to uh, and, and the NFL and, and violence on that. All right. So let's bring it back to the ratings. I'm trying not to, uh, you know, I don't want to trivialize what you were just talking about, right. but that Thursday night game did all right. Yeah, You're comparing true. it and what you wrote about that the previous games are only or have only been in the sample size recently on NFL Network. Now coming this week for the Colts and the Broncos, this will be the first apples to apples comparison of the game on Amazon Prime in a slot where it was on network TV on Fox the previous Thursday, right? Pick it up from right. there, John, on what that might mean. Well, so far, it's been great. Uh, viewership up significantly from last year. The three NFL Network exclusives have started a Thursday night schedule last year. It'll be down significantly this week. Last year, it was an 8.2 rating and nearly 15 million viewers for Rams, Seahawks, and Fox and NFL Network. It's not going to come close to that. Uh, and, you know, that's just the way it's going to be. All those comparisons to Fox, you're going to see declines. I mean, I don't think there was a single game mm -hmm. on Fox and NFL Network last year that would be one where I would think Amazon will do better. I think that doesn't really matter, though. What matters is what you're seeing in the demos is really impressive. Uh, three of the uh, top nine NFL games through last Thursday this season in 18 to 34 have been on Amazon more than any other network. Uh, I think uh, reality is younger. Does it indicate? Are, yeah, I was just going to say, does it indicate exactly. that maybe all of us that are older? God, I just put myself in that category are maybe not realizing that the younger crowd, the 18 to 34, will find it on streaming and where it is. Right. And that's what the NFL and Amazon have been counting on, even if the number's not great. That's what you mean? Oh, yeah. 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 That's exactly it. And uh, look, that makes it worth it. I mean, really, the numbers don't even matter. The billion dollars a year that Amazon's paying makes it worth it. But that younger skew is really important. And, uh, you know, these are numbers that Amazon's getting, you know, 3.9 for Dolphins Bengals and 18 to 34, right? I believe that tops all but one game of the NBA finals this year. In fact, let me wow. just make sure, because as I think about it, I think it tops every game of the NBA finals this year. And it does. In fact, there has been an NBA finals game with a higher rating in 18 to 34. In that since, demo. Uh, yeah. In that demo since 2019 game six. And this is Amazon Prime. So if you're the, you know, if you're, if you're the NFL, you're doing backflips. They're great numbers in that demo. No, it's not a great matchup. I mean, Russell Wilson is there in Denver. Indianapolis has got Matt yeah. Ryan, but what do you, what, what's the educated guess on what that will be similar, similar to Cincinnati, Miami, which is what about three or 4 million people or what was it? 5 million. 
Um, Cincinnati, Miami was eleven point seven million. Okay, so I'm selling it way short. My bad on that. It will. You believe it will be similar here? Something. I think it'll be down. I think the Broncos are kind of not fun to watch, and the Colts rarely are. I don't think Matt Ryan has ever been a big Mm -hmm. draw. I think Wilson, at this point in his career, might not be that great of a draw either. But I've been wrong before. I'm not expecting much. Okay, so let's bring it to the international series. The game Sunday was the Saints and the Vikings. Again, uh, the Saints struggling. They had lost a couple of games. They're now one and three. They they benched Jameis Winston due to uh, injury. Andy Dalton was playing in the game. Close game, one on the last second field goal. NFL Network exclusive before the yeah. normal windows of games. How did that do? And how did it do in comparison? Did it do all right? Well, 4.6 million viewers, right? Least watched NFL window by far this season. No real surprise. Uh, frankly, a pretty decent number for an international series game on NFL Network, although we're going back so many years. I don't even remember. Last year was 3.28 million for uh, Jets Falcons uh, in week five. So that's a lot better uh, this year. Um, and then now this week, it's the Giants and the Packers, yeah. which I just, be- saw, I just saw this note, John Lewis. It is the first time ever ever in an international series game where the two teams both have a winning record. They Mm, have not, they have not had better than 500, much less a winning record for both teams in any of them. The giants surprising three and one, the Packers have won three in a row and are three and one with Aaron Rodgers. Do you believe that one will jump a little more because it's a green Bay brand name. It's the New York market. And might it jump a couple of million people even on an NFL network exclusive. What's the educated opinion. Well, first, the reason they didn't have winning records is because the Jaguars were getting in there all the time, right? <laughs> good so, line. Very true. You know, the reality is it'll be a good number compared to what we normally expect for a 9.30 a.m. game on NFL Network because you have, the, you know, two of the famous teams in all of the NFL's history. Uh, will it be a number that is on par with the Sunday afternoon window on broadcast TV? No. Will it be on par with the Amazon windows? I would be surprised. I think at most with a 9.30 a.m. window on NFL Network, I mean, the most I think you can reasonably expect is maybe about eight million, and even that seems wow. a lot. You know, I mean, it, and bearing in mind, this is obvious. Most of the country's not awake and going exactly. yet. Yeah. I mean, yes, in the Eastern time zone, I realize most people people don't understand and fathom when everybody talks about East Coast bias and the in the Eastern and Central time zones. Like seventy percent of the population lives in the Eastern and Central time zone. Okay, so that's still eight thirty in the morning. You're in the Central time zone for anybody in the Central time zone to be awake and seeing it. But if you're in the Mountain time zone and the Pacific time zone, unless you're just hardcore, unless you are degenerate yeah. gambler, fantasy football player, you're probably not awake off of Saturday night. You're struggling to be up at six or seven a.m. And, you know, there are still people out there who go to church on Sundays. Amen. Uh, you know, so, I mean, the reality is it's, it's a tough window. Uh, you know, uh, it works for F1, you know, but F1 right. doesn't have the kind of audience that the NFL does. So the bar is lower. And, you know, look, I mean, it is what it is. I, I think if you're the NFL, you're you, it. You, it's still more viewers. You're adding on a, a, an extra window. So it all works out. Uh, but they kind of did it as an experiment. And they now realize, yeah. my God, four or five million people are still watching. At 9.30 Eastern time in the morning, there are still four or five or six million people watching, which destroys anything else that's on. 
in that. I wonder that, why they why they don't bother to do these at one a.m. at one p.m. anymore because I know obviously the nine thirty window is extra inventory, especially for NFL Network. But a game like Giants Packers, you know, you could probably lead a Fox regional window with that. And even though it's a London game, they have done, done they have done that, yeah. and I participated in a couple of them. They did one uh, with the Patriots and the Buccaneers with Jim Nance yep. and Phil Sims doing it, and we were the national game on CBS because of Tom Brady and the Patriots. And yep. I want to say you can probably find it quicker than I can even spew it that that was 2009 I can tell you when it was probably October 2009 John because I know you're scanning and looking while I'm talking that that thing went to most of the country because it was Nance and Phil Sims doing the game and it was the Patriots in their heyday winning all of their Super Bowls so they have done that in the past they have had it in the in the one o'clock uh window so yeah yeah. And I mean, you know, I understand you want that extra window for NFL network, but Giants Packers is a pretty, I'm sure Fox is not pleased to lose that game. Let's put it that way. With the Green way the Bay, by the way, has never been in an international game. This is the first yep. time for them. The Giants, by the way, while I digress for just one more second, great trivia. The year that they beat the Patriots and upset the perfect Patriots in the Super Bowl after the Patriots had won 18 games in a row, 16 and 0 in the regular season beating the Giants in the finale of the regular season, won the two playoff games. That year, I still contend the New York Giants, and I have no allegiance to New York. John knows this. I don't live in New York. I have no allegiance to the Giants. They did something that is astounding and probably will never be broken. That New York team won. Let me get this correct. That New York team won because they won the wild card game in Tampa. 13 games away from home that year. They uh-huh. won all eight games on the road, true road games, 2007 season. They won the international game against the Dolphins that was played that year. They then won three playoff games, including beating my Buccaneers in the wild card weekend before they beat the Cowboys and before they beat Brett Favre and the Packers in the, in the frozen tundra game uh, in overtime with Tom Coughlin and, Lawrence Tynes kicked the game-winning field goal. They then beat the Patriots. They won 13 games, John Lewis, away from Mm. home that year to win the Super Bowl. I dare say you're not ever going to see that again because how many times is a team going to win all eight road games in a NFL season and not get a home playoff game, which the Giants didn't get a home playoff game. Plus, they won an international game at the Dolphins. 13 wins away from home in an NFL season, not home games, Hmm. is pretty remarkable, including the Super Bowl win. So I just thought I'd throw that. So it's Giants Packers this week. Uh, The national game will be Cowboys and the Rams. Uh, in that late window, the Sunday night game will be the Bengals and the Ravens. Do you believe Cowboys Rams on Fox will do better than Bengals Ravens Saturday night, uh, Sunday night on NBC? Just looking at, uh, yeah, I mean, it's the Cowboys, it's a 425 window, and Bengals, who is it? Bengals, Bengals Ravens, correct? It's a decent matchup, but you know, it's still the AFC North, it's not necessarily the biggest teams, and again, 425 is prime time. You know, 425 is prime time for the NFL, particularly when it's on Fox, although CBS has done pretty well in that window this year. 
All right, good enough on all of the NFL. Let's move on to the sportsmediawatch.com podcast. We're going to have fun with Love It or Leave It in a few moments. But speaking of other sports, the NBA, we've talked yeah. a lot. The NBA preseason cranking up. Uh, we get ready for the Golden State Warriors to defend their title. We saw Steph Curry, by the way, on the Manning cast. Speaking of the Manning cast the other night, and he was talking about the Warriors coming back, looking to repeat, et cetera. So all that beginning to crank up. And there's news involving Rachel Nichols, very oh, famous yeah. and controversial yeah broadcaster she's back in the fold tell us more about that john you wrote about it on the site yeah well you know rachel's only controversial if you don't actually read the story right because this is one of the biggest you know i'm almost going to call it a frame job that we've ever seen in, in sports tv you know sitting around in your hotel room you've just been asked to give up the role you've been working toward you for your whole career uh and you're quarantining in this bubble which is like already a lot to ask and you know you make the mistake of leaving your camera on and uh people decide they're gonna sit down and watch you i've always thought the most interesting thing about what happened with rachel nichols was that nobody sat down and thought hey what exactly was this person who was watching or expecting to see or hear because it's not like it was like hmm well i know rachel's going to be complaining about maria taylor this is uh pretty unbelievable that this it didn't occur to anyone to ask to go, what exactly to go back to how it actually happened right. just for a second she was in the in the bubble circumstance in her hotel room they have yeah. a live video hookup because she was doing a daily show i believe was she not doing her show she was doing live programming so yes. the equipment was still hooked up the show is over. The, the yeah. feed is not turned off. And it was a producer. And as it turns out, our assistant producer, it was a female assistant producer that heard her on the phone talking mm -hmm. and heard what she was talking about. Mm -hmm. And this producer went and played what was said for mm -hmm. Maria Taylor. Yeah. That producer was then disciplined. ESPN admitted this in the whole controversy. That producer was, was disciplined and suspended for two weeks and told you can't ever do anything like that again. Yeah. And, and yet the, the, the things only got worse for Rachel Nichols at that point. Uh -huh. So there's the, kind of the, well, how the sausage was made on how it came Yeah, about. but that that makes it sound less bad than it was because this is hours and hours and hours and Rachel's having multiple conversations. Right. So, you know, look, I mean, that was just complete, uh, you know, garbage behavior and uh, two weeks suspension for that is a joke. But, you know, the reality of the matter is uh, Rachel made a great point uh, in her interview last week with uh, Matt Barnes and uh, Stephen Jackson, which is Rachel was asked to give up her NBA finals hosting job uh, for Maria Taylor. Now, Reese Davis was not asked to give up college game day for Maria Taylor. College game day is an infinitely bigger assignment at ESPN than the NBA finals. Even though the NBA finals is a bigger event than your average college Saturday, the fact is nobody's ever cared about that pregame show, right? And game day is probably the single most important studio show that ESPN ever does. So Rachel made the point, and it's very important, that when she was, say, when she was saying, if you want to give Maria Taylor another assignment, uh, and of course she mentioned the diversity thing, which is what got her in trouble, but if you want to give Maria Taylor another assignment, don't come at my thing, which is the NBA job, mm -hmm. when you could go to Reese Davis and, and have him uh, take his. But I mean, the whole point is they would never have asked Reese Davis to do that. And so this whole thing was uh, frankly pretty scummy. Uh, the entire time. And let's uh, get right to it. Her yeah. agents were trying to, I'll use the phrase, shake ESPN down for as much money as they could get them for. Right. And they weren't having any luck. And her contract was running out. And this became a leverage play. Maria Taylor. Maria Taylor, we're talking yeah. about to yeah. either get that job or get a job somewhere else. Exactly. And it created a bidding war. That no, was a no, big this, part of it. This was, this was just 
this whole thing was really low. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad Rachel's entire career wasn't destroyed, but there's a lot of people who will go to their graves thinking she's a racist. And, you know, she didn't have to mention the diversity thing. Obviously, that was where she got into trouble. And the reality is there's, you know, the world is filled with white liberals who are more racist than they think they are. But, you know, <laughs> I mean, she did bring up it wasn't just that she pulled that out of nowhere as an explanation. She did bring up when she was talking with Stephen Jackson and uh, uh, Matt, Matt Barnes, Barnes. Yep. that the New York Times had just written an article about how ESPN was really poor on diversity. So it wasn't that she was just saying, oh, well, that's why they did it. There was an actual conversation about ESPN and diversity at that time. And the timing is what the timing is. But, you know, that whole thing, that was really low. And, and what, you know, I've been covering ESPN for, uh, I don't know, 17, 18 years, more than half my life, actually. And it's the lowest, scuzziest thing, I think, that's been done to mm. any talent there. But good uh, on her I mean, that she's back and she's doing a regular. Yeah. How regular is it going to be with Showtime? Is it weekly? Is it bi-monthly? It's going to she's going to be on and covering it. And uh, look, I, I will stand up for her to this extent. She's got a tremendous news background that you're talking about. Uh, previously as a newspaper reporter, as a news reporter, then a beat writer, uh, a beat writer uh, for the NHL and the NBA. That's not that's not simple, easy work. No. Traveling look, all over the place doing that. So she, right. in my mind, she deserved another opportunity and the benefit of the doubt because she has shown a lot of chops, a lot of hard work to get where she is. Right. Yeah. And that was, and here's one more uh, part of this, which goes to the whole larger point. How many conversations do different broadcasters, <laughs> does everybody in general have where right. they're talking about their workplace, who gets promoted, who took my job, I yeah. got passed over or whatever else. That's what this was. And right. she got publicly scorched. Oh, yeah. A workplace no. discussion. It's a no, workplace it was disgusting. Thing. Yeah. The whole thing was absolutely disgusting. I, I can't even begin to convey just how deep my disgust for that whole story uh, goes. I no. will say, um, you know, uh, I would I would be very intrigued to know what Woj is saying in his phone calls, but we'll never know that, will we? Because that stuff will. Well, that, we that, got that a, we got a couple of peaks when he put a tweet out at a United States senator, and yeah. he didn't lose his job over exactly. putting a tweet at a United States senator with the f word in the tweet, yeah. and he didn't. He let me repeat, he didn't lose his job because of it. Well, wasn't it Ted Cruz? So that would be well, most Republicans. I think it was Cruz. It may have been somebody else. Who was but, it? Oh, uh, again, oh it was Hawley. It was it was Cruz let, Jr. Let me repeat because maybe I didn't make it clear enough. He put a social media tweet with millions and millions right. and millions of people seeing it, tweeting a vulgar curse oh, yeah. word at a United States senator, and yeah. he did not lose his job. Just here's the bet. Sure, he would he would have been more disciplined in 2017, and I'm going to tell you why because there's never been a value at ESPN other than putting your finger up and seeing where the wind goes. And they they tried to destroy Jamel Hill's career because they thought the country was way more conservative than it actually was in 2017. And then they did uh, destroy Rachel Nichols' career three years later because they thought the country was not in that same direction, right? It's all, you know, it's your always- way, Lick your just, finger, stick it up in the wind. Exactly, yes. exactly. And so when uh, Woj got like a two-week suspension in 20, in 2017, he wouldn't have been fired because he's a man, uh, but he would have, I think he would have gotten a more harsh suspension. 
Interesting. All right, let's move on. Let's cheer it up. Let's get to it. Here we go. Love it or leave it. Subject number one. Are you ready with your playlist here? Are you ready to go? Love it or leave it. Speaking of the NBA, the NBA Mm -hmm. on ESPN has changed it's yeah. theme music. Now, John is going to be DJ Jam Master, Jam Master John Lewis. I just made up a new name for you. He is the DJ that is going to be playing this as we do it live here on the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. All right, so give me the previous NBA on ESPN theme, please, so for the audience we can compare and contrast as we like to do. Give me Jam Master Dr. John, the previous NBA on ESPN theme, so we can hear it. Just give me a few seconds of it so we can hear it. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm going to need to uh, have you turn on the screen sharing first. Oh, wait a minute. So in our technology, let me make sure that I can do this. Okay, I got to go here. I got to go here. We didn't. This is a live show. All right, so now you have that capability. So here's the older NBA on ESPN radio theme, if I did that correctly. So go ahead. All right. This is uh, the theme that they were using up until last season. It debuted in 2004. This is the end theme that they use in the playoffs. Okay, so most people recognize that music, recognize that theme. And now what have they changed it to? I'll give you a chance to cue that up. Yeah, they changed it to which you immediately had a negative reaction, but I'll let the public hear it and then we'll go ahead and talk about what it is. You're ready. Go ahead. By the way, the audience can't see John's face, but I can see his face. This is like worthy for you. I'm just I don't know what to yeah. make of like the kind of dramatic marching band type. I don't know what that is. Why, John? Yeah. What is that? Well, why? Because, uh, you know, because it's ESPN. Look, here's the simple reality. Um, ESPN, for whatever reason, doesn't just want to pay John Tesh his money. Just give John Tesh his money and let's call it a day. Because this right here. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. is still yes. the official music of the NBA. Yes. And, you know, you know. so I asked Tim So Corgan that was the did, NBA uh, on NBC. Yeah. And we exactly. should clarify that Fox and Fox Sports 1 gave John Tesh his money and the rights money, and they've been using that for their Big East yeah. coverage, for their Big East basketball exactly. coverage on the big network. And, and it, on it can't possibly be expensive because Fox isn't going to spend a lot of money on okay. their Big East games but to still, get 200,000 viewers a game. I understand. So, you know, but, but there's the there's the iconic right. NBC music that we just yeah. became, and speaking of Jordan the Bulls, as you did earlier in the podcast, that we had that. And your point is, you should be using that if you're ESPN. Yeah. I mean, look, you know, the theme that they had before is a theme that they, they, they debuted in 2004 on the first Shaq versus Kobe game, Christmas Day 2004, right? It's Al Michaels and Hubie Brown on the call with uh, Tariko, Bill Walton, and Steve Snapper Jones in the studio. Wow. Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal. It's a long time ago, yep. right? And so it wasn't a great theme song. It wasn't like, oh my goodness, everyone loves this theme, but- it served its purpose and it had been around for a while. Now, if you're not going to go to John Tesh or you're not going to go to something better, just keep what you've got. Because this new theme, 
you know, I asked Tim Corrigan about this today and I asked him, well, <laughs> was the intention here? And Tim Corrigan does ESPN's NBA production. Is the intention here? And I just asked him straight up, does ESPN intend this to be a, a timeless theme that becomes identified with the NBA? Or is this ESPN just punting because they know they'll never do anything as good as round ball rock? Well, of course. What was Tim the answer? Corrigan, well, of course, he gave me the the answer, the only answer he could give, which is, of course, we think it's going to be timeless and identified with the NBA. I'm going to be stunned if this thing is identified with the NBA. Let me hear it again. Because, Let okay. me hear it again while we're talking. This is the new right. theme they're going to roll out on their coverage if they haven't already coming up here, if they don't start playing it in around Sports Center and they're, where is that? Yeah. Where is it again? John's going to cue it up. We'll you know, you're right. At, uh, CBS, uh, <laughs> the, CB, the, the CBS Iraq war theme was kind of similar oh, to this. I don't know if you I remember. Know there, I don't know if there, I didn't know there was oh, one. They, all, they, had a, they had all sorts of themes, oh, no. Iraq and Afghanistan, all sorts of stuff. Look, that, it's, it's you know. isn't it entirely possible? This yeah. is, as I like to reference it, this is going back to the 80s, and the 90s, the whole new Coke thing. That they're doing the Coca-Cola, the new Coke thing, which many believed all along because Pepsi was gaining market share, gaining ground, was to get people excited again about Coca-Cola and the original taste of Coke. And so they create this yeah. new Coke thing and make everybody go crazy. Is it maybe to go back? Where's the other theme? Go ahead and cue it up. Is it maybe to play this one, the old one, because ultimately they're going to go back to the old theme. Where's the old theme again for the NBA on ESPN radio? Listen to listen to the DJ John Lewis cue all the, the music up. I, I just have a conspiracy theory. Maybe we're going back to this, John, after the bad reviews and everybody hates the new one. We'll go back no. to that. I mean, that presumes that ESPN is that clever. Um, <laughs> no, I don't think so. This is a pretty decent. Uh, this is the one cut of this theme that I think stands up with NBC's theme. I mean, it's not as good. All right. But so I always love the end credits. So you don't buy my theory. They might go back to this, but leave it up. Leave it up here because I want you to go to my favorite from the 80s. Okay. Speaking of the 80s, I want you to go back. When you get a chance and cue it up from the 80s, this is the one that I always identify. Oh. The hair on my arm is standing up for the NBA on CBS thing. Dick Stockton, Tommy Heinsohn, later Dick Stockton and Billy Cunningham. And these are the days, again, John Lewis, when you got like one or maybe two games a week on TV. And you heard this theme, and it meant either the Celtics or the Lakers were playing in a game on CBS. And I have Dick Stockton. I'm going to do a bad Dick Stockton impression when he's going to say, Kareem and Magic, no, they need to win tonight at the Forum. It's game four of the NBA Finals. And then that would kick in. The hair on the back of my neck is standing up now. Yeah. That's a theme, John Lewis, yeah. from the 80s, from the NBA on CBS. Well, you know, I mean, the reality is it was very 70s. So CBS actually remixed it before they went off the air the final two years. But look, I mean, you know, do I think that so this is the sixth theme that ESPN and ABC has had for the NBA, if you, if you can believe it. Uh, this is number six. You want to know what the first one was? Uh, so, uh, well, you have it. You're going to play oh, DJ, uh, Dr. John. here. Oh, you're I have it? everything under the sun. So this I? is the first version of it that you're going to play. 
will so get they far. still use they still use a version of that for the WNBA. Now this actually I I think that's a perfectly fine theme. I think it's a perfectly. We are fine. just going deep into the weeds on the themes, but I didn't even remember that. Yeah. And then they had a newer version of it that you're going to play. That they had a newer one or no? Well, that... they use it still on the WNBA. Right, right. It's a very toned now, down. You you and I agree, and I don't know about the audience or love it or leave it. We love the TNT theme, and I know you yeah. want to play the NBA on TNT because that's more recognizable, and they've stuck with it. And here it is. Here you go for that. Yeah, Pepper yes. rapping. That works. And they stuck with it. And you know what that means for all the action and yeah. that though. Go again. That that is the NBA on CBS. Yeah. That is Brent Musburger calling game seven of the 88 Eastern Conference Finals. Larry Bird and Dominic Wilkins with Tommy Heinsohn. And that's the music playing. It's game seven in the Boston Garden. Oh. I'm going to have to go watch it on YouTube now, John, because yeah. of what you're doing to me here on the Sports Media Watch podcast. I will add this one from TNT. I like. When was this? Like at the very beginning? They tried uh, that? Early 2000s. Early. I remember 2000s. that. Yeah, they used it very short period of time. This is what it was when Charles first got there. I, I've always liked this. And then they used it on Atlanta Hawks games with uh, Bob Rathman for a little while. Okay. So, DJ yeah. John delivering on the Sports Media Watch podcast, my friend. I don't know if you've ever been referred to that uh, by anybody, but I'm uh, No, I will say you are a I, DJ now. I wanted to share. Now, this one could get us in a little trouble because this is an actual song. So I, I hope that this is all fair well, wait use. Wait a minute. Just to fair use, who is right. the artist and what is the this song? This is Robert Randolph and the Family Band. And this is the original theme music that ABC used for the NBA when they first got it. It's part of a song from Robert Randolph and the Family Band called Good Times. It's only a small portion of it. So I'm going to try to get to the point where uh, that song is played. And I'll share it with you here, right? It's about to start. Started it too early, so whatever. We'll have to cut okay. it down and post. Okay, here it is, right here. Robert Randolph and the Family Band. I kind of like it. You can let it play for a second. I kind of like it. All right, good enough. Can check that out, Robert oh, Randolph yeah. and the Family Band, and now Good the Times is, is the name of that song. But they yeah. they use that as the theme to come on the air and go out to commercial, so, etc. Yes. When did they use it? Uh, Christmas Day, two thousand two, and then January fourth, two thousand three, and then I imagine David Stern called them and said no, <laughs> and then they uh, doing it. Yeah, they they got oh. rid of that, and I'll show you what they replaced it with. Let me see if I can find it. This is the one that they used. For the um, NBA Finals in 2003 on ABC that year. Generic, not really that good. Again, but, kind of up tempo. Everybody's right. trying to go after, and you're not going to have to play it. You don't need to play it. The NFL on Fox theme that's the upbeat yeah. with the orchestra, the trumpets. You're looking for that. Yeah. But just go back one more time to Round Ball Rock and John Tesh, which, by oh, the way, course. everybody hammered 
that initially when he released it, but then it became just synonymous with the NBA on NBC sure and Marv Albert and Mike Fratello and this. That. Yeah. Somebody, the- I mean, again, Fox, kudos to them for the Big East with the basketball. They now use it with Gus Johnson and Bill Raftery and our buddy Tim Brando and Jim Jackson and everybody else calling the Big East. You still get to hear this. And John Tesh is still cashing checks. He sure is. I hope he doesn't try to catch one off of this. We're claiming fair use. Look, the reality of the matter is this is the heavy action of the NBA. It is the theme music that connotes the NBA. And there's nothing ESPN has done in 20 years that compares to this. Certainly not their new theme. All right. We're now officially music critics. Yeah. Uh, We've got to get out of here in a moment. Let's do one more. Love it or leave it. The Aaron Judge home run bid to get to 62 i sat here last week and said i don't know that he hits another one we're here now as we release the podcast on tuesday maybe it happens tuesday night maybe it happens wednesday he has still not gotten to the 62nd home run love it or leave it all the interruptions the outcry john lewis that continues to go on as espn and abc continue to put this over the top of college football games continue to interrupt other programming to show you at bats from aaron judge love it or leave it is it just as it just set sail here and it's it's time has passed or what well i mean i don't know i mean i think it's ridiculous to cut into college football it's 2022 that era is done you know i can cut into college football myself using multi-view on fubo tv or i think youtube tv is going to come out with something like that or i can just get my phone or whatever right um the reality of the matter is it just annoys viewers and you know, it is, you know, I, I, I don't know uh, if he wasn't a Yankee, they wouldn't be doing it. That's just, you know, that's, that's another just good point. We've that. talked about that. We've talked about that. If he was on the Kansas city Royals, they might not even show the highlights on sports center. Okay? <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I don't know. The hot it, take is it maybe going to affect him for the postseason? this whole home run microscope of the last two weeks. It's clearly, yeah. I mean, they're trying to win games. They're already, they're already secure as the American league East champs armchair guess is it going to maybe affect Aaron Judge's postseason here this home run thing and what's going on the last three weeks and all the drama and scrutiny maybe maybe it won't I mean you know the Yankees what are you running uh, for political office it's (laughs) it's a yes or no do you believe it'll affect him or no he's going to come out and mash genuinely I have no clue because you know something he's hardly been hitting uh any home runs lately right what one home run in the last seven eight nine ten games uh, you know, the real issue for the Yankees is now they're going to get the buy, right? Correct. You know, but I mean, the issue for the Yankees is that they had kind of a crummy second half of the season. Correct. They distracted by the judge thing for the entire time. You know, they could probably be, uh, you know, uh, certainly at risk of losing in that division series to whoever comes out of the wild card round. So, you know, look, uh, we'll see what happens. I do want to add just one quick thing. You know, um, the ESPN and ABC, they're going to have the entire wild card series. And ABC is going to have a game on Friday afternoon. And then one Sunday afternoon, ESPN two will have a couple of games on Saturday. Otherwise all on ESPN. We're not counting two years ago. That was garbage. Everything mm-hmm. that happened two years ago, other than certain championships that I will maintain were legitimate. Everything that happened two years ago, we're just going to pretend didn't happen. So if you take out two years ago, it's the first time ESPN has had real postseason baseball since 2006. John Miller, Joe Morgan, you know, all those days. And it's going to be very interesting. It's been a long time since ESPN has had on a weekend of football, baseball games of any kind outside of, you know, Sunday night. Fox and Turner obviously have had it as well, and they'll continue to have it. They've just added ESPN because they've added rounds of the playoffs and they're trying to show them every which direction. 
has the entire wild card round. Oh, correct. Uh, also, another thing we haven't seen since 2006 is Fox airing any division series games. I believe they will have a division series game on Fox this year. So baseball went way too far with the games on cable. Uh, even the NBA never went as far with games on cable. I mean, it's been 15 years, 16, since there was an early round baseball playoff game on over the air TV. That's how you destroy an audience over time. All good points on all of this. I think we're good for another edition of the podcast, including John doing a fantastic job as the DJ. I have a background as a DJ as well uh, in music. Not a lot, but I did it some in the college years and that kind of thing. You did well with playing all the different themes. You know what we should do? We should go. We should uh, end the show uh, with uh, the uh, theme that we won't ever be hearing again, uh, the ESPN NBA end credits theme. So this is the theme that they will play. When they were going off the air, right? You know, uh, signing off. Green saying for Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson, good night from the Chase Center in San Francisco. uh, Whatever, yeah, Yeah, right. This was a pretty good. This was a pretty good theme, and this is the theme of uh, Kobe Bryant winning two championships. It's Mm -hmm. the theme of Dirk and LeBron, of course. Curry. Curry. It wasn't as good as NBC because ESPN and ABC has never been as good as NBC in hearing the NBA. But it was pretty good and uh, certainly a lot better than what we're going to be stuck with the next couple of years. <laughs> My goodness gracious, Saints Alive. I'll give them credit for this. The new graphics that they're going to use are really nice looking and a significant improvement, even as the music is a huge downgrade. But all right. That's all. So for TJ, I'm John. <laughs> uh, we'll be back here Thursday night for game two. <laughs> right. I think that concludes the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. Find us wherever you get podcasts. Goodbye. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.